0: Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. I've had enough of you time to be
1: the
0: now. Welcome to this week in Nerd News, the one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Ree Cleveland.
1: And I'm your host, Victoria Vertine. What's up this week, Keith?
0: Hey, a lot of things are up this week. But first and foremost, I want to say hello to the people. I know you may have heard from us a couple of times last week, but it's actually been a little minute since we, the hosts of this week, and Nerds, have gotten together, to checking with each other and everything. But first of all, Victoria, how you doing on your end?
1: I am doing all right. I am. I am still in the weird COVID time bubble. Like the fact that I wrote 2022 on our like document for this week still feels weird. But I am I, I have hope for this new year. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. I think at this point we have like 340 something days left this year. It can still turn <laughs> around, you know.
1: It could. So I mean,
0: out. it's like the numbers are on our side. You we're doing at better than last way. year
1: at this time.
0: You know, we what? had had
1: a whole insurrection last year by this time, so we're doing all right.
0: Yeah, I mean the bar is literally like in the basement, but <laughs> like we're above that yes but with that is indeed a new year so this like we already talked about in past recent episodes about things looking forward to in 2022 and all that going forward but since that happened everyone decides to use these first couple of weeks of the year to dump all the news about things that are coming out so for our first segment this week i want to start off a new segment that's really not new just the name is it makes (laughs) you feel a little more official new show who this? To start us off, there's news that a CW Zorro series, which would be written by a number of creators, namely Robert Rodriguez, who, as you know, famously directed the Mariachi Trilogy, Spy Kids, and From Dusk Till Dawn, both the movie and the TV series, and his wife, Rebecca Rodriguez, who's recently directed Doom Patrol, Snowpiercer, The Shy, and Mayans MC. And the big twist on this show is that it's going to feature a female lead who joins a secret society to avenge her father's murder. Rebecca said to direct the series, and they're also involved with a couple other people in Hollywood and everything. But this is a new take on Zoro, which is a story that I've loved in the past. But moving on to more new show, Who It Is. Remember back when Arrow wrapped up and it was heavily suggested that Oliver Queen's best friend, John Diggle, played by David Ramsey, was going to take on the mantle of DC's Green Lantern, Jon Stewart? Well, now there are concerns that that idea has been scrapped altogether, as Ramsey's reportedly reprising his role in the CW show called Justice U, where he'll be charged with recruiting and probably guiding, a.k.a. chaperoning, five young metahumans who are trying to live undercover as college freshmen in a normal university setting. Next up... One of my favorite news items this week was a tweet that I saw from Netflix about a show called Welcome to Murderville, which will star Will Arnett as a detective. But the hilarious catch here is that every episode will feature a new celebrity guest star as his partner who hasn't even gotten the script and needs to improvise their way through the episode and the case they're trying to solve in that episode. That sounds like exactly the kind of control chaos that I want in my comedy, and I'm here for it. Lastly, for this new segment, new show, who this... We recently got the first trailer for Bel-Air, which, if you haven't heard, is a dramatic retelling of the stories that we all watched in the sitcom format of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, starring Will Smith and many other people. As you could imagine, the tone of the show from what we've seen in the trailer so far is very different, both because it's a different genre, but I suspect also because it's been 30 years since we first saw these stories. But the part that intrigues me most is that, you know, on paper, like, taking all the names and setting stuff and flipping it around— the topics that Fresh Prince touched on in the serious moments would absolutely work in a drama setting. This is going to be really, really hard for this new show to like shake all of the baggage that comes with being a remake of a sitcom that was adored by most of the world. With all of this stuff, Victoria, what are your thoughts on New Show Who It Is for this week?
1: Um, I like all of these. I'm glad that we found way to put them all in. I will try to be concise. Everyone knows that is, you know, one of the traits that I am the best at, is being brief. master. Um, (laughs) So, Zorro. I love Zorro. I love the books. I love the... I mean, really, I love Antonia Banderas. Um, I'm very (laughs) interested to see a female Zorro. I am excited by the casting and the fact that um like the showrunners and such i am hoping that that means that this female character will be written well and and will be if this makes sense will be written as a lead character not as a female lead does that make sense
0: it does. No, it definitely does. You don't want to be one-dimensional, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, don't do things just because she's a girl. Do things that the character would do, and the character happens to be female. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited about that. Cautiously optimistic. CW is just, just you know, CW is like is is kind of like acts like it's just a part of our culture that has. <laughs> you know, real weird connections for people.
0: Wait, um, clarify. You mean the Axe the Body Spray?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, why did that fit so well? Because every character on the CW show definitely seems like somebody who would just have a closet right? full of, of Body Spray.
1: Yeah, oh. and also just like the whole CW is like, yeah, I'm cool, girl. What are you doing after school? Like, oh. that's just the whole CW lineup. Um, so <laughs> I feel that way about Zorro. I feel that way about this new Justice U thing. I totally think that Diggle's character as a character is just going to be like a chaperone slash like, yep. hey, call me if you're drunk. I promise I won't lecture you, but then actually lectures them like, yeah, for sure. Daddy Diggle. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I guess it's... I, I like John Diggle as a character, so I guess I'm kind of glad he's back. I'm so far behind on everything DC in the CW universe. It's so overwhelming at this point. No clue. Yes. But it could be fine. I'm going to skip Murderville, because I have thoughts on that, and go to Bel-Air, which I think has a shot. Um, I like this dramatic take, I feel like I agree it's going to be hard to shake that comedic kind of place that people have for this show. But I agree with you 100% that the deep parts of the show, and especially for the black community, like those deep parts were just as important, right? So I feel like the ability to have a drama is there. And I'm excited for that. Um, Murderville. I want to be so happy about this show. Keep the idea in general is great. Um, I just don't know why we had to go with Cop Procedural. I feel like we could have done this, especially with Will Arnett who has been hosting Lego Masters for, like, the last little bit, among the other things that he does. Uh, But, like, he is such a kind of... I, I keep thinking, like, master of disguise. Like, he can do all of the things. He could just... We could just not have a cop procedural, and that would be cool. But it looks fun, and I'm hoping that it will be... Light enough and almost like parody enough that it won't get into that weird propaganda stage that cop procedurals do sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I hadn't, and this is something we talked about in the past with Lynn too. Like, I think I only have space for one cop procedural in my life at a time, <laughs> and they're usually comedies. Like, the last one was Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and like, even towards the end, like, that even got a little shaky with like Terry Crews and stuff. But overall, it was like be like, one exception I can make. I think this may fit into that category for me. Would you raise a great point, though? Like, this did not have to be a cop procedural, because I love the whole idea and the concept of, like, hey, there's one important, there's one person that's important to this story that has no idea what's going on. Let's watch what they do. And that's a genius concept that I can't wait to see. That's why I love, it gives me big Two Ferns energy, which is that interview show that yes. Zach Galifianakis hosts and yes. everything, where it's like... It's something that everyone else is treating like it's serious, but it's absolutely absurd. And I love that balance. And this kind of feels like it hits that same note. Um, so that's something I'm looking forward to. Like again, it yeah. could be my one exception of a cop procedural for the next few years. I'm
1: hoping <laughs> it goes more Clue, like the the board game Clue, than like cop procedural. Yeah, and that I get I that. like my,
0: like the cases they're solving are like just astronomical. Like this woman got yeah. murdered by a bird, and they got to yes. like figure that stuff yeah, out <laughs> for sure. That could be the tone here. And um closing off the other on the other ones and everything, I just want to talk about Bel Air a little bit more. So for context, this is indeed a show that like Will Smith is of course involved in because mm-hmm. he's like his production is involved in so many things, and like this show is a big part of like what not kicked off his legacy because he had a whole rap career that came way before the show kicked off, but like that brought him into the living rooms of most people in the world and then he became what it became, right? But Outside of that, like the, t- the show was going to be ra- on Peacock and it's going to be rated TVMA, which I think is very important here because that's going to give them the room to dive into some of those topics that the f- first show could not do so as much or just didn't want to because it was a sitcom and all that, right? Like when people look back on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a lot of their favorite moments are, of course, like the ones that just made them like fall over on the floor laughing. But there are also the ones like the famous how-come-he-don't-want-me man scene, Will Smith mm-hmm. like falling in Uncle Phil's arms and everything, or the moments where like Carlton and he are constantly questioning their identity as like black men in these classes mm-hmm. that they live in on two different sides of and kind of meet in the middle. But, like That stuff works on paper in a drama. And even to give example of like how much more serious the stakes are, in the Fresh Prince original show – they played off, like, Will's fight that made him, in Philadelphia, made him go back to um, come live out in Bel-Air, had, like, this really silly thing in the intro for the show and all that. In the trailer that I saw, like, it was a real, real fight where, like, guns came out and, like, people want, people want to kill Will in that mm-hmm. show, in the new show, at least, right? And I okay. think that's some of the gravitas you can add, which, again, on paper absolutely works for the sake of a story. It's just going to be a matter of, like, will people... I think the show will work. I don't know if people will work with it where they can get past the Fresh Prince label.
1: Agreed. And, and I do appreciate that, that's, that they didn't name it The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. You know, it helps a they, little bit, you know? They took that out of it. I, I think that will help a little.
0: Yeah. Because, like, to me, someone who, never, who doesn't live in California, like, my main touch point for Bel Air is that show. So, like, just <laughs> what I call Bel Air, yes. like, yeah, this might be space enough from it. But with that, we already touched on a lot this show. I think we all need a bit of a breather. So, we're going to take a break and come right back to our main topic for the episode.
1: Alright, so let's get back into it. We covered a ton in the first half. Notice I said half because we are doing two segments today and we're going to make them a little bit more overarching. So, for this big ticket segment, we actually had three other shows this week that I saw a bit of a through line in. Um, And it's not baking this time, guys. Aren't you proud of me? So, These three shows, kind of the theme of them is how the past influences our decisions in the present, and since all three of these are black stories, and two specifically are very much rooted in the African American experience, I thought it would be interesting to kind of look at them together. So I'm going to go through the show's where they're at in kind of their production and where they're going to be coming out on. And if we've got dates, then dates. We don't have dates for everything. Uh, And a little bit about each one. And I think you will be able to see the connection that I see. And we can talk about each one a little bit or the connection or, you know, things and stuff. So the first one is Kindred, which is Octavia Butler's one of her, I would say, Most Beloved Trilogies. Um, And this is an FX series. And the story is about a young woman who gets bounced back and forth in time. As she's trying to unravel kind of her family history. And some secrets that have happened in her family. And so she bounces back and forth from modern day LA. Which is her actual life, and then life on a 19th century plantation, which is where, which is kind of like her family history and and figuring out the secrets of her family there. So that's Kindred. I know a lot of people are incredibly excited about this. I definitely need to go back and read the books, but this is a thing that's happening. It's exciting. Next, we have an untitled comedy, actually. Also... Note that I said comedy. I'm not sure how that's gonna happen, but it is an untitled comedy for Paramount starring Kendrick Lamar. And the plot of this is that a slave reenactor at a living history museum finds out that his girlfriend's, his white girlfriend's ancestors owned his ancestors. I mean, that sounds like a comedy plot, right? <laughs> so, so funny. Anyway, so there's that one. And then last but not least, there is The Girl Before, which is set to come out on HBO Max on February 10th, starring Gugu mbatha And this is a little bit more, I would say, kind of... They're all fiction, but this one feels, I think, a little bit more fiction to me. And it is this woman who is looking for housing and employment and finds this place that needs a housekeeper, and if she is the housekeeper, then she gets room and board free, and then starts... The house is super, like, smart AI house, and so she starts figuring out weird things, and there's a weird relationship with the landlord, and she ends up being in this weird time loop where the girl before the girl who lived there before, looks almost exactly like her and was having all of the same feelings, and this landlord is kind of, like, recreating what he had with the girl before with Gugumbatha-Ra's character. So I saw the through line here. I don't know, Keith, what do you think about all of these shows and the kind of plot device of time manipulation?
0: Yeah, if you didn't call it out directly, I was going to say the common theme here is definitely like wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey racism. <laughs>
1: yes. So I think
0: that, <laughs> that could be the title of this episode, wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey racism. <laughs> but that, no, I did follow that through line. line. Uh, let me see, how do I want to tackle this? <laughs> I think, first off, um, I will go with most concerning to least. So, okay. actually, you know what? That's not even the case. Like, I'm actually not as familiar with the girl before, so that one just seems like... All right, we'll see how it takes out. I did see the trailer for it. I just happened to see on my TV, like, oh, Google Googling about the Raw and David Oyelowo. But, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't look much deeper into it past that. So, I will see how that shakes out and everything. But, like, when it comes to the next two, um, when it comes to the, my biggest take is the whole Kendrick Lamar thing. One thing that we didn't touch on is that this show is being co created with the creators of South Park. And I, 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 I I don't know. This is the other whole lot, like, that time that they tried to get Game of Thrones people to show about slavery, and, like, I don't like it. (laughs) But here's the thing. I'm conflicted because, like, I do love Kendrick Lamar, like, and honestly, I kind of wish he would spend this time working on an album because it's been so long at this point. (laughs) But, hey, you're creative. Do what you want to do. Like, you're an individual. I don't put you on my own personal timeline. Be creative and all that good stuff. But still, I do want that album. But, (laughs) like... This sounds like an idea that somebody tossed out in a pitch meeting of, like, a one-line joke, and they just said, we're going to run with it and make a whole, like, movie, I think it's a movie, not a TV show, and make a whole long story, narrative about this. And the funniest tweet I saw about this, somebody said, they put a picture of Get Out next to a picture of Night at the Museum, and said, this movie's basically Get Out the Museum. Oh. I'm like, yeah, that's oh. exactly how this feels. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. Oh. Like, that's pretty much what this story comes down to. At least right now, the synopsis on paper, which is synopses can be like two or three lines and kind of like oversimplify stories sometimes. But like, I think this one's kind of got it. Like, yeah. And I think like the hopes are that it will spark conversation, but I'm also trying to figure out like, I just see this being a big, there's a lot that can go wrong here. Like from the partnership that's creating it to what the goalie was in the first place to what the final product's going to look like. I'm like, ah, okay, let's move on. And as far as Kendrick goes, my biggest curiosity about that is what is the contemporary time like, going to look like? Is this going to take place in, like, the 1970s, like the book did? Or are they going to bring it up towards, like, to, like the 2020s, which is a weird thing to say we're in the 2020s now because it's been a couple years. Yeah. Um, but I'll be going to do that because the reason why they brought up, like, went back and forth in the 70s, I mean, like, I read, like, I read and talked about a book years ago, so, like, very, very loose memory of all this stuff, but, like, I think the important part of why the original book is in the 70s because that was one of the many periods that was very important to, like, black identity and forming that, and the 2020s or even 2010s even were also one of those periods when you look at, like, the movement for black lives and the uprisings that happened throughout the country and all that stuff, or even 2020 is recently of that year, right? So I could definitely see it being, like, today, and I just think it's going to be interesting to see because that's going to be a show or a movie that will be something for a lot of the same people who like to think that if they would go back in time to when slavery was illegal, that they would yeah. not let themselves become slaves. I'm like, do you not know how that works? Like, yeah. it's, I don't think you know this, but like, that's just the thing people, a lot, of, a lot of people have said. So I'm curious to see how that plays out for sure. But in order of on a scale from like concern to curiosity, to like cautious optimism, which uh-huh. could be the new name of this show at this point. I'm going just to go. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go with the um, with concern being Kendrick Lamar and, like the mm-hmm. South Park guys making a show about like interracial relationships and slavery. Just on paper, that's what. And then the girl before in the middle, as far as like curiosity, because I don't really know much about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know what? I'm like cautiously optimistic about Kendra. I just want to see how that whole thing plays out.
1: Yeah. I think for me as well, just kind of looking at these and seeing this recurring theme, I think I was, I was thinking about how we kind of romanticize history. Not kind of, we do. We romanticize history so much. And when you're like, oh, I'm born in the wrong century, or I'm born in the wrong time. That means something completely different to black people, especially, but a lot of people of color, especially in uh, any colonized area, right? So just how that idea looks to black people, I think is is kind of portrayed in these three. And other things that we've seen, too, right? Antebellum is kind of that way. Um, and Lovecraft Country, while it didn't go back and forth in time, was definitely like, hey, <laughs> history wasn't great for everybody. A- and so, yeah, that, that idea of, like, I wouldn't be a slaver, like, I would handle this differently, maybe. <laughs> um, that doesn't seem real... That doesn't seem real accurate here. And and so I think that that is something that is specific to kind of uh, Black experience and maybe BIPOC experience. And so I liked seeing that shown in these different ways, because all of these, regardless, are going to be incredibly, incredibly different shows, good, bad or ugly. They are going to be completely different shows, but still have that theme of, of, of like, what is it, what does it? what does experience mean culturally?
0: And you were saying earlier about the idea of, like, people being romanticizing the past and everything. That reminded me of, like, how that's the entire moral of a movie that I am, in current times, like, ashamed to say that I saw in life because I didn't know the background behind it. Um, but the movie Midnight in Paris came out in 2011, starring Owen Wilson. See, I didn't know Woody Allen at all in 2011, because oh, I was, like, yeah. 19. Yeah, like, that was just, like, a name, and that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Directed that movie, and that's the whole moral of that movie of, like, people romanticize going to the past, and you go to the past to find out people there romanticize going to the past even further. I'm like, Mm -hmm. let's not do that. But, like, this is all, like, just really good content, like, similar themes, but very different ideas, and we're going to see how differently these all play out. I was kidding about the name of the show being Ruby Wally, Tommy Wymie. I think we did that before, so I'm not going to try to do that again.
1: (laughs) I feel like we had a Doctor Who conversation at one point and that ended up being the name of the show Um,
0: my go-to reference for time travel
1: (laughs) it's a good one it's a good one um okay so with that let's get into our lightning rounds Because, as always, we could not cover as much as we covered this week, which was a lot. I'm going to give us props. We got through a lot this week. Yeah. It's nowhere near the amount of stuff that there is. So here are a couple of things that we couldn't quite get through. One of them is actually a thing that I'm just waiting for, Mikkel. Um, But I wanted to put it out there into the universe this week. (laughs) So we have Astroneer, the space sandbox game is finally being ported over to Nintendo Switch, so if you like nerdy sci-fi things that are also cute and animated, Astroneer may be for you, and it is now available on Nintendo Switch. Uh, one of the things that I think we all knew, but we'll say it out loud, Katie Sackhoff's Bo-Katan is getting a spin-off series we think. I mean, that's gonna happen because, I mean of course it is. So we might have that to look forward to. Children of Blood and Bone, we had talked before about them getting a deal, but they are now officially in development for the Children of Blood and Bone adaptation, so that's fun. Disney is doing a live-action Snow White because I guess they have enough money to not learn from their past mistakes and just keep making them. On good notes though, my Angelou is to be the first Black woman on the quarter. I love that that is the first that they put in the headline. I'm pretty sure they're—it's just the first Black everything. Just, and if it goes to print before the Harriet Tubman twenty-dollar bill, then it's gonna be the first everything. You know, we gotta take baby steps, right? Uh, and last, but certainly not least. <laughs> Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, Savathun's Throne World trailer came out. It looks pretty bomb. Uh, I'm not going to go into it. I put it in the lightning round because obviously Mikkel is not here and that is who needs to actually dive deep into this. But the trailer is out there. It looks amazing. So if you want to watch the trailer and then come back for Mikkel's breakdown, which I'm sure will happen next week. We will be there for you. So, if you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture updates. I'm your host, Victoria Vertine.
0: And I'm your host, Keith w. Cleveland.
1: Remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.